Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Glasgow Times Sports Podcast, normally recorded in our studio at the Bishop Briggs Media Centre, currently recorded from our volunteers' homes. To keep in touch with us, use our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter, which are all at Q and Review. That's C-U-E-A-N-D-R-E-V-I-E-W. Or get in touch via information at qandreview.com. That's information at c-u-e-a-n-d-r-e-v-i-e-w.com. Please like and share our podcast and give us any constructive feedback. Evening Times Sport, August 16. Liam Donnelly says confidence high at Kilmarnock despite Celtic drubbing. Report by Graeme McGarry. Liam Donnelly says that Kilmarnock's confidence has not been dented by back-to-back defeats to Rangers and Celtic respectively, and that the rugby park players are relishing the opportunity to show the real killie when they head to Ross County next. Kilmarnock manager Derek McInnes said after the 5 nothing thumping at the hands of Celtic on Sunday that his team's season starts now. And those thoughts were echoed by former Motherwell midfielder Donnelly, who admits it was not enjoyable simply trying to keep the score down against the champions. He does not believe the defeat will affect morale though, and is hoping that he and his teammates can impose their own game on the opposition going forward. Said Donnelly, Sunday was not fun. We know that Celtic are quality and it is difficult to play against them. We conceded a few shoddy goals which doesn't help things and we have to try and cut them out of our game. It was a difficult afternoon. The manager said to us in the changing room afterwards that the season starts now. It's still difficult to take the Celtic result with the way we conceded the goals but it is the old firm and the games coming up are certainly a lot more winnable. We have to be confident going into the next few games. As I said, it is not easy playing against the old firm. We've had two weeks which have been as much about keeping the opposition out as thinking about our own game. But the next fixtures should be a bit more of a chance for us to impose our own style onto matches and play some of our own game. With that in mind, we have to try and get a few results. Of course, we are hurting with Sunday's result, and it is going to be frustrating for the fans to watch at times as well. But look, confidence is not dented. We have a big game against Ross County on Saturday, and that's the beginning of a run of fixtures where hopefully we will be able to get a few wins. Hopefully, with the opposition that we will be playing in the coming weeks, we will be able to impose ourselves a bit more. But we won't take anything for granted, as we know that every game in this league is a difficult one, and that begins with Ross County. So we know we are going to have to be on it if we are going to go there and get the three points. Report by Graeme McGarry. Evening Times Sport, August 16. 
McCoist Makes PSV Favourites Report by David Irvin Ali McCoist reckons PSV Eindhoven come to Glasgow as slight favourites for the Champions League two-legged qualifier against Rangers. The Ibrox hero this morning suggested the Eredivisie side will be viewed as the favourites to progress into the Champions League group stage with a win. While the winners of the tie advance to the Champions League groups, the losing team will drop into the Europa League group stage instead. But both sides are desperate to progress, with a £40 million prize on offer for reaching the next stage of Europe's elite competition. McCoist reckons Rangers can set themselves up for a shot at progression with a positive result at Ibrox tonight, but insists it will be more difficult than against Union San Gilwaz. Speaking on TalkSport, McCoist explained, It will be difficult, I'll tell you that right now. It was a great result last week against the Belgians, however, a completely different entity tonight. PSV are a team of far better quality, no doubt about it. They have got good players. Gakpo obviously interesting Manchester United. A player that concerns and worries me a little bit and can come back to bite you is Joey Verman, who was at Heronvane and Rangers were interested and tried to sign him. He went to PSV and I fancy him. I think he's a good player. Scored at the weekend. Scored against Monaco. It's a far tougher game for us. But if we go out and play at home the way that we've done recently in Europe, then we'll have a chance. I would be honest with you. I'd have PSV as slight favourites for the tie, but anything can happen. Van Bronckhurst has a full squad to choose from for the crucial clash, with Ryan Kent and James Sands coming back into the squad. But for McCoy's the major swing factor in the match is the fact Rangers are playing at home first. The club has achieved incredible success on the European stage with numerous Ibrox second legs in the run to the Europa League final last season. And McCoyst is concerned that being at home first makes things more difficult as he suggested the scrapped away goals rule suits Rangers when they play away first. Quizzed on whether he's bothered by the first leg being at Ibrox, McCoyst insisted, Yes, our home record is so good, it's fantastic in Europe. I would far rather the second leg at home. You look at some of the nights we have had on the march to the Europa final, brilliant nights. Dortmund dismantled Leipzig, very, very comfortable against Red Star Belgrade, great comeback to knock out Braga. And I think the no away goals in a bizarre way would suit Rangers 
if they were away from home first. It wouldn't bother them if they didn't score, as long as they kept it tight. Tonight, I just think, hopefully, the atmosphere again. You can never understate the value and importance of the home crowd on these European nights at Ibrox, because they've been magnificent, and hopefully the boys can give them something to cheer about again tonight. Report by David Irvin Evening Times Sport, August 16 McCoyst surprised by strange Gerard comment. Report by David Irvin Ali McCoyst has questioned the meaning behind Stephen Gerrard's strange comment on former Aston Villa captain Tyrone Mings. The Rangers hero was left surprised by ex-Ibrox boss Gerrard's message to Mings after he chose to replace him with John McGinn as Villa skipper. Mings had held the leadership role when Gerrard joined the club from Rangers, but ahead of the Premier League kickoff, McGinn was named captain, and Mings was on the bench for the season opener against Bournemouth, with Gerrard putting his absence from the starting lineup down to a combination of injury and his reaction to being stripped of the captaincy. Gerrard had commented, It's a little bit of that. He's also missed some training time with an injury, and there's a niggle in the background as well. When Tyrone is back at his best and looks me in the eye, and shows that he's ready to play, he'll get opportunities. It was Gerrard's comment about looking him in the eye, which was a particular note to McCoyst, who questioned whether the manager was caught in the moment or meant anything other by it. Speaking on TalkSport, McCoyst said, I was a little bit surprised at Stephen's comment when he said, when Tyrone is ready to look me in the eye. I thought it was a kind of strange thing to say. I don't know if he was caught in the moment or if he meant anything other by it. It was as if, rightly or wrongly, it was implying that he wasn't ready to look him in the eye, which I thought was a strange thing. Mings did return to the Aston Villa side for the win over Everton, and won praise from Gerrard for his performance. And the Villa boss insists there's never been any doubt over Mings' quality, or any suggestion that he was dropped. He said, the outside have made a big thing about this. I understand, because when you change a captain, I expect that noise. But no one's ever doubted or said that Tyrone Mings is out of the team, or that he's been dropped. McCoyst also praised Mings for his reaction to being benched for the league opener, as he insisted the England international handled the situation perfectly. He said, I thought Ming's answer and his quote after being dropped and relieved of the captaincy was absolutely spot on. It was exactly what he should have said and exactly what Stephen Gerrard would have wanted to hear. Report by David Irvin Evening Times Sport, August 16 Carol Starfelt on release of getting first Celtic goal Report by Graeme McGarry
you may have been forgiven for thinking Carol Starfeld had just scored a crucial goal in a Champions League tie if you witnessed his giddy celebrations at Rugby Park on Sunday. Not bundled home Celtic's fourth goal of the day at the second time of asking from a couple of yards out. The strike may not have had a material influence on the outcome of a match that Celtic had already won at a canter, but there is no doubting the importance of it for Starfeld. It was his first goal for the club on his 50th appearance and the ideal way to mark his return to action after a frustrating injury hit summer. The way his teammates celebrated with him was telling too, speaking not only to the bond and team spirit that exists between them, but to how much they value Starfelt as part of the squad. Celtic manager Ange Postecoglou picked the goal out afterwards as his favourite of the game for precisely how important it was to his defender, despite Jota's long-range perla and two overhead kicks also being included in his side's five-goal haul. The added significance was that it continued the trend that is being established at the start of this campaign of Celtic centre-backs chipping in with goals. Stephen Welsh got the ball rolling with a header against Aberdeen on the opening day. Moritz Jens now has two with his goals against Ross County and Kilmarnock, and Starfelt has got into the action. Starfelt said, It was a very funny moment, like you saw my celebration. I enjoyed it a lot, even though it was a goal to make it 4 nothing. Maybe that wasn't a normal 4 nothing celebration, but it was my first goal for the club, so it means something extra to me. It was great to have all the players celebrate with me. We have been speaking about it a little bit in the locker room, so it was nice to see that all the other players got excited. Obviously, it was nice for me to get my first minutes back after injury, and the goal was also important. The supporters, as always, were absolutely amazing. It was a nice moment. I will remember that one. It's important. It's not a huge deal who scores, but if you can get some extra goals from set pieces or other situations, it's a bonus. Last year, we actually scored a lot from set pieces, and this year we have scored from set pieces every game. Now we have to continue with that. The goal will also ensure he escapes being the butt of one or two jokes around Lennox Town, with the Swede laughing when asked who had been teasing him about his failure to find the net. He said, all of them. No, it hasn't been so much about teasing. For me, it was just more of a release. I've had opportunities before that haven't gone in, so it was nice to see the ball go into the net this time. It wasn't the most beautiful goal, but it still counts. The race from Starfelt wasn't only related to the end of his goal drought, but the end of the period of absence from the first team picture 
after suffering a hamstring injury while on international duty in June. The timing could have been worse, of course, with the 27-year-old absent from only one competitive matchday squad, but the injury meant he spent his summer training alone and unable to take part in friendlies. He said, it was really nice to be back on the pitch. Obviously, it's always tough to be out and not able to play. I've just been working very hard to get back. I felt I was really ready to play when I came on. I'd been training now for two weeks or something like that, so I felt ready to go and get back involved. It was really nice. Another potential factor in his restlessness to return to the first team fold was the fact that his place alongside Cameron Carter Vickers at the heart of the Celtic defence, a bedrock of their success last season, has now come under threat. As well as youngster Welsh before he himself picked up an injury, new arrival Jens has impressed during his short time at the club. He said, I think the competition pushes all the players. It's not only the centre-back position. I feel we have competition now in almost every position. It's about the small details. You also need to show every week in training that you want to play. It pushes everyone. We have one game a week just now, but soon it will become two games a week for a period of months. We will need a big squad. There is very tough competition. There are really good options in defence. Welsh, Jens and Cameron have all done very well when they have played. So I don't think that anyone knows they're going to play every game. That's how it should be. We push each other. It's good because it brings up the standard in training. We are not just 11 players who are really good. The whole squad is really good and the standard in training is really good. As well as the added competition for places, Starfelt is confident the greater strength and depth at Celtic this season can help them cope with the demands of Champions League football. And he continued, I think we coped with it pretty well last season, even though we had a lot of injuries. But I think this season we are even better prepared. We know that it's going to be a tough schedule and a tough competition in the Champions League as well. So we will need all the players. Also, we know that every season injuries will come, but now we can deal with it in a better way. Report by Graeme McGarry Evening Times Sport, August 17 Morales delivers defiant warrior line. Report by David Irvin Alfredo Morales has shown he's up for the Champions League fight as he delivered a warrior quote following Rangers' draw with PSV Eindhoven. The striker did not feature in the 2-2 draw at Ibrox, but was on the bench and available for selection in the match. However, Van Bronckhorst instead brought on Scott Wright and Glenn Kamara in the first leg of the playoff. Antonia Kolak started up front and netted a fine strike to level the scores in the first half. 
After the match, Morelos took to Instagram to share an image of a warrior with a quote in Spanish. The line translates, A warrior is not the one who always wins. He is the one who always fights. The quote certainly relates to Rangers after the draw at Ibrooks, but could also reference Morelos's attitude in fighting for the starting striker spot. Asked why Morelos had not been subbed on during the match, Van Bronckhurst responded, Why? Colac played fine. He had energy and was very dangerous. For me, that wasn't a point I had to change. Report by David Irvin Evening Times Sport August 17 Neil McCann unhappy at Sloppy Rangers Report by Stuart Wilson Rangers legend Neil McCann is adamant that the Ibrox side got a good result with a 2-2 draw against PSV despite losing both goals to set pieces. Rangers travel to Eindhoven on Wednesday, knowing any win will put them through to the Champions League. The Dutch side are known to be a danger from balls into the box, with Targeman Luc de Jong renowned for his ability in the air. However, McCann was far from impressed with how his old team handled the obvious threat posed. He told the BBC, I don't think 2-2 is a bad result. They got a bit of fortune with Tom Lawrence's goal, but when you sit down and think, they have conceded two goals from two set pieces with ease. The first one is dreadful. The second one is right up there. Having watched it again, Obispo is unmarked and just wanders in. It's a terrific header. Sangar is unmarked for the first goal. That's when questions have to be asked at set pieces. Coaches generally give set pieces out. What's the setup? We know that PSV are good from set pieces. They're big, they're physical, and we know they are a threat. So that means the homework needs to be done, and people need to know their jobs. Now, whether Goldson is in a zonal area, I don't know, but that guy walks in and gets a free header to punish Rangers. So on reflection, you will think, we could have been going to Eindhoven with a lead, but again, we are undone by something really sloppy. Report by Stuart Wilson Evening Times Sport, August 17 Nick Roger says, Ewan Ferguson on the up, but DP World Tour has new downside. I've always been fairly pessimistic. In fact, my defeatist attitude kicked in just there, halfway through typing the word pessimistic, as I was convinced I'd spell it incorrectly. Presumably, this air of head-shaking, sighing gloominess, will accompany me to the airport later this week when I hop on a flight for the first time in three years and nervously anticipate the pilot coming over the intercom to inform all and sundry that if you look out over the right wing, 
you'll shortly see the fiery remnants of the left wing before we corkscrew towards the sea at 1,000 miles per hour. Nothing like getting into the holiday spirit. Talking of taking flight, Bearsden golfer Ewan Ferguson is certainly on an upward trajectory that should just about register on the gizmos, gadgets and contraptions of air traffic control. His second DP World Tour win of the season at the ISPS Handa World Invitational saw him become the first Scot since Paul Laurie in 2012 to earn two victories in the same campaign. With confidence oozing from every pore, Ferguson will be fancying his chances of adding to that haul. In just his 50th start on the main circuit, the 26-year-old is a double champion. His jubilant smile when he got his hands on the trophy was the kind of gleaming beam you'd get when the Bee Gees emerged from a scale and polish. Winning on the tour is hard enough. Doing it twice is no mean feat. And completing a wire-to-wire -wire victory, that's terrific front-running golf. In the aftermath of his breakthrough triumph in the Qatar Masters earlier in the campaign, I caught up with his coach, the canny, well-respected Jamie Goff. He won't be a one-hit wonder, declared Goff at the time. He'll be a very good player for a long time. You don't want to tempt fate, but I'd back him to win again this year and get into the top 100 in the world. Predictions in this unpredictable game, of course, can be a fool's errand. But Ferguson has backed up his coach's confident claim with a second success. As for clamouring into the world's top 100 and beyond, well, that has just got a bit trickier for Ferguson, currently ranked number 168, and his ilk. A change to the official working world golf rankings, OWGR, came into effect last week. Without guddling too much in the mathematical weeds, ranking points are now determined wholly on strength of field. Last week, for instance, Ferguson picked up just eight OWGR points for his win, three times less than he earned for his victory in Qatar. In that event, Ferguson's 24 points were a stipulated minimum for a DP World Tour event, even if the strength of the field could actually be lower than that number. Are you still following? Or even still awake? Essentially then, this new calculation means that the tours with weaker fields will find it tougher to award as many ranking points as they had done previously. In the fairness of competition, that seems understandable. There's no reason, after all, why events on various tours should get guaranteed points regardless of the strength of the field. Given that the DP World Tour plays a second fiddle to the PGA Tour, you can appreciate the concerns of the rank-and-file campaigners 
trying to clamour into the higher echelons. While getting into the nuts and bolts of the OWGR equations and formulas can lead to the same kind of glazed look you'd get if you tried to explain the analytic continuation of the factorial to a household pet, this change has been viewed as a significant blow to the DP World Tour. As the PGA Tour grows richer, more powerful, and with world ranking points loaded in its favour, the old European circuit has to muddle on, and goodness knows what further impacts the LIV golf recruitment drive will have as the global professional game continues its civil war. When he took charge at Wentworth a few years ago, the DP World Tour's chief executive, Keith Pelley, bullishly stated that his circuit could be a viable alternative to the all-powerful PGA Tour. Yes, there are a number of events of genuine significance and clout on the schedule, but the PGA Tour monopoly, a stronghold that's now being attacked by LIV Golf, continues to downgrade the DP World Tour. While gaining hefty world ranking points is going to be harder for the regulars on this side of the pond, at least there is more scope for players to make the step onto the PGA Tour. As of next season, the top 10 on the final DP World Tour rankings, who don't already have PGA Tour status, will earn a card for the lucrative United States circuit. It's a decent carrot on the stick, but one that will accelerate the talent drain. If you get an opportunity to savour the land of milk and honey on the PGA Tour and earn more world ranking points, you're not going to come back to Europe and play in the D plus D real Czech Masters, are you? Twas ever thus. The DP World Tour top brass may not want to admit it, but their viable alternative is simply a feeder circuit. Sorry for the pessimism, says Nick Roger. Evening Times Sport, August 17. Partick Thistle fan ownership announcement met with angry response by supporters. Report by James Kearney. Partick Thistle are facing an angry backlash from supporters after the hitherto anonymous group that will receive Colin Weir's majority shareholding were eventually unveiled this morning. In a statement published on the Thistle website, Three Black Cats 3BC announced that the Partick Thistle FC Trust, an existing fan body that already holds a stake of 19.28% in the Championship Club, will receive the gift after their proposal was recommended to the club board by 3BC. The share transfer still requires the green light from the Scottish FA, but once it has been received, the Partick Thistle FC Trust will take on 3BC's shares 
bringing its overall state to 74.28%. People who have never met Colin Weir will speculate as to what he would think today, concluded 3BC's statement. The directors of 3BC know exactly what he wanted. For the fans who love the club to be guardians of its majority shareholding, keeping the club stable and safe from being sold against fans' wishes. He would be quietly chuffed that this has now been settled and his wishes delivered. The club itself also announced its relief that the process had moved on following a breakdown in negotiations with the Jags Foundation, TJF, the supporters group that were the club's intended recipient of the shares in October 2021, that culminated in 3BC rejecting TJF's proposals last week. The club statement read, We welcome this morning's important announcement that the PTFC Trust is the preferred recipient for the majority shareholding in Thistle. After a long period of uncertainty, it is good that the focus is firmly back on football going forward. The club board has already held a positive initial meeting with the Trust and looks forward to working closely with the fans' representative body for the good of the club and supporters. The announcement should have been heralded as an exciting new chapter for the club and a galvanising moment for the fan base, but instead it was met with scathing criticism from outraged supporters. Much of the rancour rests on the fact that the Patrick Thistle FC Trust chose to withhold their identity during negotiations from the very people they were there to represent. The Trust has existed for seven years and is recognised as the primary vehicle for fan engagement at the club, according to its Twitter profile, a message slightly undermined by the fact that prior to Wednesday's announcement, its previous tweet, that wasn't a retweet, was written on 1st January 2020 as it wished its followers a happy new year. There has been no attempt to speak with supporters at games, to anyone's knowledge. The Patrick Thistle FC Trust cannot be said to have engaged in any meaningful way with the fan base. The responses from supporters make that abundantly clear. Put simply, no one knew who, who they were. It is in stark contrast to TJF comprised of over 750 members, where engagement has been a clear priority since the new board were elected in April. TJF say that they would have been happy to work alongside the Trust and remain willing to do so, but that they received no meaningful contact from the fan representatives during a negotiation process that spans over two and a half years. The Patrick Thistle FC Trust membership criteria has been restrictive in the past. Fans were required to have held a season ticket for two years and the current season in order to join. But the Trust claims it has spent the past few months 
drastically reshaping itself. All season ticket holders are now members, and 3BC says that work is underway to extend membership to non-season ticket holders. By way of comparison, no such criteria applied to the rejected TGF proposal. Since the PTFC Trust's inception in 2015, there has been a solitary election held in 2018. In the Trust statement, it promised that with season ticket holders all having a say, all having a vote, we can truly state that this is the most democratic and most representative solution, seemingly in reference to those drastic changes of the past few months. The PTFC Trust is now the de facto largest fans group at Firhill, after incorporating 1,600 season ticket holders into its ranks. But prior to Wednesday's announcement, that accolade was held by TJF. There is now plenty of overlap between the two groups' members, but TJF remains a sizable chunk of the Thistle support and a common accusation of those directly involved in negotiations with 3BC is that they felt strung along. Negotiations between TJF and 3BC broke down entirely in April, but when a new board was elected to the fans group, talks restarted. Multiple sources have told Times Sport that 3BC's conduct in discussions with TGF indicate that were never the intended recipient of the shares. When approached for comment, 3BC has repeatedly declined. The trust statement makes it clear that it was aware of Weir's intentions for fan ownership. It sets out three specific criteria. He wanted the club to have its best interests and integrity upheld by those who truly care about the club. He wished for the club to be stable, and he wished for the club to be safe from being sold out from under the feet of the fans. TJF, whose proposal was presumably not deemed to fit these criteria, insists that despite repeated requests to 3BC, they were never informed of Weir's vision of fan ownership, instead relying on cryptic and blunt feedback to shape their revised proposals. The PTFC Trust has promised profound change in the way it operates, and that is what is required if it is to fit just about anyone's understanding of fan ownership. Restrictive membership criteria and its own governance are just two areas that are in need of radical overhaul, and until the proposal is made publicly available, we do not know how the Trust intends to address these issues. TJF's proposal was ultimately rejected by 3BC, and we can deduce that the party Thistle FC Trust's offer provided more appealing in the end. But it must be said, for a body that claimed to be the voice of the Thistle fans, the Trust's cheerful announcement is wildly out of step with the support's angry response. Three black cats have been approached for comment, reports James Kearney.
Evening Times Sport, August 18. Former Rangers and Celtic stars to unite at La Liga Giants. Report by Aidan MacDonald. Former Celtic centre-half Dedrick Boyata is set for a move to La Liga Giants Valencia, according to reports. The Belgian is out of favour at Hertha Berlin after being stripped of the captaincy by manager Sandro Swartz and is wanted by the Spanish side's boss, former Rangers star Reno Gattuso. He moved to the Bundesliga in 2019 on a free transfer after playing for the Hoops for four years. The former Manchester City man was a regular in the team for the last three campaigns, but near the end of last year, his game time was reduced. Now, after three seasons in Germany, it looks like he will be moving on. A move to Spain could resurrect his career and allow him to push his way back into Roberto Martinez's plans ahead of the World Cup in December. During his time at the Parkhead side, the 31-year-old won four league titles and was part of the club's historic run that saw them win three trebles back-to-back. However, in what proved to be his last season, there was contention when he refused to play in a Champions League qualifying defeat to AEK Athens. This was due to him wanting to leave the club and led to a fan backlash. Report by Aidan MacDonald Evening Times Sport August 18 Billy Gilmer given permanent Chelsea transfer route Former Ranger Billy Gilmer has been reportedly given an exit route from Chelsea, according to the Daily Mail. The midfielder is a target for Premier League side Brighton. The Scotland international spent last season on loan at Norwich and has been overlooked by Thomas Tuchel since returning to Stamford Bridge, having not even been named on the bench so far. After sparkling for Steve Clark's side against England at Wembley last summer, it appeared the playmaker was going to kick on from there. However, after joining the Canaries for the 2021-22 campaign, he only played 28 times in what was a miserable season for the team as they were relegated to the championship. Now, Graham Potter seems to be interested in taking the 21-year-old to the Seagulls. The clubs already have a business relationship after Mark Cucurella joined the Stamford Bridge side for £62 million and Levi Caldwell went the opposite way on loan. Although given the Premier League's loan regulations, Gilmer would only be allowed to move to the Amex permanently. He joined Chelsea in 2017 from the Ibrox side for £500,000, aged just 16, and has made 22 appearances for the two-time Champions League winners. Evening Times Sport, August 18. Callum McGregor reflects on what made him Celtic captain material. 
Report by Graham McGarry What makes a Celtic captain? When Callum McGregor was handed the armband by Ange Postecoglou last summer, succeeding his close friend Scott Brown, even he would not have been 100% sure he had what it took. Showing leadership is a given, both through communication and by example. Commanding respect is a must. Being able to unite the dressing room, a non-negotiable. Those were the tangible qualities and skills it was clear McGregor possessed. But the question of whether he would be able to handle such a hefty responsibility would only be answered when he took it on. After his maiden season ended with him hoisting the Premiership Trophy aloft, it is fair to say he has shouldered that burden in fine style. Now he will give supporters an insight into what it has taken to lead him from the academy to this point in his Celtic career and what has gone into making him such an effective leader of men. In a book entitled The Making of a Celtic Captain, an effective use of the uncustomary light schedule Celtic are enjoying at this early point of the season. After so many years of success at the club and a few low points along the way, McGregor has enjoyed looking back over seasons he has so readily consigned to a dark corner of his memory bank. So focused has he been on moving forward in his career. The overwhelming majority of the recollections he has uncovered have been positive. So those hoping for a no-holds-barred takedown of teammates or managers past and present may be a little disappointed. But just because he has finally taken the time to take stock and commit those memories to paper does not mean he isn't fired up to write the next chapter. McGregor said, This is what happens when I've got spare time. I write a book. I have not slaughtered anyone. It's not really my style. I haven't really had to because when you look back over my time at the club, there's been a lot of success. I'd be so focused on moving forward. I've forgotten half the stuff. I don't tend to look back. But when you are doing these things, it does force you to a bit and there are overwhelmingly more positive memories than negative ones. That's all you can hope to do in football. When you see those achievements, you know you are on the right track and it just makes you work harder to make sure there are more to come. It just makes you hungry for more stories to tell. As candid as he has attempted to be in his book, McGregor has tempered any hopes of a Celtic all or nothing style documentary of the sort that former teammate Kieran Tierney is currently starring in with Arsenal. He said, he's some man, isn't he? He's come across really well and it's good to see him so prominent in the changing room. I already knew he would be, but it's nice to see him coming across so well on the programme. His patter is still half decent, 
He's quite lively. I'm not sure I'd fancy a fly on the wall job with the cameras up here though. As well as rummaging through the successes and recesses of his mind, McGregor, along with his teammates, has been utilising the free weekdays that Celtic have at the moment to reinforce some of manager Postecoglou's ideas on the training field and tweak one or two areas in preparation for the Champions League group stage tests that lie ahead. There was a school of thought a month or so ago that the lack of competitive qualifiers during the summer may in fact have proved something of a hindrance to Celtic in terms of getting them up and running quickly for the season, a theory the team have dispelled with a blistering start to the campaign. In the long run, McGregor is sure that their schedule being weighted more towards the training ground during this period will also prove beneficial. He said, It has been strange, but it has been good. It has given us the chance to work properly in training and get some good tactical work in. Even though we're not playing a lot of games, we're working hard and getting the physical stuff in. It prolongs the week and it's not quite as intense as we're used to, but we know it will ramp up. I think you can see the work coming off on the pitch. Every day it's about making sure the team is cohesive and moving in the right direction with and without the ball. It's given us time to really drill things down before things really kick off, because it won't be long before it's a good few months of game recovery game. We've used this time wisely. I think we have more gears to come. The more games we play, the more we get match sharpness and we find our rhythm. It's been good so far, but there's definitely more to come. We're only going to get sharper. Report by Graeme McGarry Evening Time Sport August 18 McLaughlin makes Rangers set-piece warning. Report by Chris Jack John McLaughlin has warned Rangers will see their Champions League dreams ended in Eindhoven unless they shape up at set pieces during the second leg of their clash with PSV. A 2-2 draw at Ibrox on Tuesday night has left the playoff tie on a knife edge as Van Bronckhorst aims to lead his side into the group stages this term. Goals from Antonio Kolak and Tom Lawrence gave Rangers the lead after Ibrahim Sangari's opener, but it wasn't enough to secure the win as Armando Obispo netted late on. Rangers were masters of their own downfall on both occasions as they failed to deal with corners and Sangari scored from close range and Obispo powered home a header. Keeper McLaughlin was left exposed by the defence in front of him and knows there must be a collective improvement if Rangers are to finish the job in the Phillips Stadium and secure a Champions League spot. McLaughlin, when asked if Rangers had to improve their defending from corners ahead of the second leg, said, Of course, 
set pieces is always going to be a big factor and it is disappointing that ultimately that's where they got their joy twice. Of course they had other opportunities and played well in other areas but if we can address that then of course we are working hard all the time to make sure that's not an issue. At this level you get punished if things don't go your way. That's what happened in the first game and I'm sure they will be looking hard at that for the second leg. But we've also got to take a lot of confidence from the way we played against this team. If we can go away and apply ourselves the way we did at Ibrox, there is no reason why we cannot be on the right side of the result. It would mean everything to qualify. There is no doubt that everybody is desperate for that to happen. It would be huge for the club and huge for the fans to have it back after 12 years. It would be a huge feather in the cap for everyone and we are just trying to do everything we desperately can to get there. Report by Chris Jack Evening Times Sport August 18 Nathan Patterson reveals no second thoughts over Rangers transfer decision. Report by Stuart Wilson Former Rangers defender Nathan Patterson has revealed he had no second thoughts about leaving the Ibrooks club to join Everton. The Scottish international joined the Merseyside club in January for a reported fee of £16.5 million. He has played 15 times for the Toffees, including starting the first two Premier League games this season. The 20-year-old has now opened up about moving away from home and how going down south was an offer he could not refuse. He told Football Daily, Obviously, it was different for me being at Rangers all my career and then moving away from home. It was difficult, but it was an exciting challenge and I feel I've settled in quite well. It took a bit of time to get to know all the different lads and the coaching staff, but I've enjoyed my time here. It was difficult to leave, but I think it was quite an easy decision to come to the best league in the world. There was no second thought for me, and a massive club like Everton made it an easy decision. Patterson was part of the Light Blues team that won title number 55 during the 2020-21 season. Report by Stuart Wilson Evening Times Sport, August 18 SPFL transfer window extended 24 hours The Scottish transfer window deadline has been pushed back 24 hours to September 1. The SPFL have moved to extend the deadline due to the Premier Sports Cup last 16 which takes place on August 31, as the games would have shortened the time available for clubs to make their final moves in the market. The games include Hearts welcoming Kilmarnock at Tynecastle and Celtic heading to the Highlands to face Ross County. Motherwell will square off with Inverness, while Jack Ross's Dundee United are sure to be tested by Livingston. The window will close at midnight, by which time clubs will no longer be able to secure transfers from other clubs. 
They will, however, still be able to register those without a club. Evening Times Sport, August 19. Celtic women sign Mexican goalkeeper. Report by Alan Campbell. Celtic have signed Mexican goalkeeper Pamela Tayonar from Spanish club Villarreal, subject to international clearance. The 37-year-old played as a trialist in Sunday's 2-0 win over Partick Thistle after the named goalkeeper Rachel Johnston injured a wrist in the warm-up. The former international has also played for Seville and Barcelona, as well as Western New York Flash in the United States and Malmo in Sweden. Report by Alan Campbell. Evening Times Sport, August 19. Let's hope the Deloitte Review heralds a bright new dawn, says Graeme McGarry. The only way that Neil Doncaster could provoke more frothing-at-the-mouth rage from punters when details of the SPFL's television deals emerge is if he were to follow the lead of comedian Jerry Sadovitz and announce them with his chief executive hanging out. Such is the unpopularity of the lead body's top man among supporters in the country that almost every development which has the slightest whiff of his involvement is immediately decried and denounced as a disgrace and the result of his widely perceived gross incompetence. So it was that when news filtered out this week of a potential deal to extend the contract with Sky for the right to broadcast SPFL matches, there were the usual accusations that he had undersold our game. While it is hard to argue that point, when fans see leagues of comparable standing from around Europe attracting larger sums of money from broadcasters, on this occasion there may be an element of shooting the manager involved in the widespread reaction. On further examination, while the deal is far from perfect, there are some things to like. For a start, there is the £30 million a year it is expected to generate for the right to broadcast 60 games per season by 2028-29. That is up from the £25 million they currently pay for the right to show up to 48 matches. There is the prospect of that annual figure rising to £38 million per season if the broadcaster takes up their option to show a further 20 games, which they can do from 2024, and the proposal is understood to have gained widespread support among clubs, apart from Rangers of course, who are still of the view that the Scottish game is being undersold. Critics such as those at Ibrox may rightly point out that on a per-match basis, the new deal would actually be worth less than the previous agreement, but the addition of more matches will always lead to less valuable games being shown. The return of investment on Ross County versus Motherwell, for example, 
will obviously be less than that of Celtic versus Rangers, but it may still be a valuable asset for fans of those clubs if that match was to be shown. Even with the increase in matches being televised, there will, however, still be a lot of games that attending in person will be the only way to see them. Some may feel that is no bad thing, but the New Deal has also offered something of a sop to those who would argue that clubs should be allowed to sell their own pay-per-view streams for matches that Sky have chosen not to show, as they could during the COVID-19 pandemic. Clubs will be allowed to offer out PPV streams for up to five matches per person or per season, so long as it doesn't fall within the Saturday blackout times. That won't go far enough for many, but it's a start. There is also the pertinent point to consider that the rights are only worth what someone is willing to pay for them. And for all of the faults of Sky Sports, when it comes to their historic coverage of Scottish football, they have at least put up more cash than anyone else. If they would sufficiently back what is a talented team working behind the scenes on the coverage, they may even turn around fan perceptions of their output too. The lack of an open tender process is a point of concern, and there may have been more money on the table had other parties been allowed to enter the bidding. But the feeling is that even though a vote of 11 to 1 is required to move forward with the Sky deal, clubs will opt for the security of a bird in the hand. One of the drivers behind that is that the new television deal will be a key pillar of the stated target this week to drive up the revenues that the SPFL generates for clubs to £50 million per season by 2029. The headline outcome of the independent review conducted into our game by the Deloitte Agency. Five then Premiership clubs, Aberdeen, Hearts, Hibs, Dundee United and Dundee, commissioned Deloitte to undertake the review almost a year ago, and subsequently a strategic group consisting of Aberdeen's Dave Cormack, Celtic's Michael Nicholson, Andrew McKinley of Hearts, and Hibbs Ron Gordon was set up to figure out how to deliver its recommendations. Gordon made something of a clangor when he called the Premiership the little brother of the Premier League this week in his endorsement of the Sky deal, which is precisely the sort of comparison the unique Scottish football proposition should be looking to avoid but there are some real causes for optimism contained within the five-year action plan that has been produced. For a start, there is an ambition to position the SPFL as the most dramatic, passionate and exciting league in Europe, which is a damn sight catchier than England's wee brother. And intriguingly, 
there is the stated aim to transform the SPFL itself from a largely administrative body into a more active commercial body with centralised marketing and commercial staff in place to drive an increase in revenue from broadcasting and partnerships. There have been many stakeholders across the game banging the drum for such an approach for an age and it seems indicative of a shift towards broader unity within the game for the sake of the greater good. On top of this, there is an aim to create a programme of youth development competitions and to nurture the growth of the women's game, surely an open goal. The SPFL clubs are believed to be unanimously behind these plans. Even Doncaster is on board, thanking the clubs involved in essentially doing his dirty work for him by saying, their valuable work will undoubtedly enable the league to bring in additional commercial revenues for the benefit of Scottish football as a whole. It is an exciting time for the game. Yes, Rangers may still want him out. And yes, he is unlikely to win over the vast majority of Scottish fans who turned on him long ago. But on this occasion, he may just be right, says Graeme McGarry. Evening Times Sport, August 19. Said Haksabanovic was diamond and Celtic move would be ideal fit. Report by David Irvin. Celtic would be the perfect move for Said Haksabanovic, according to the winger's former coach. Jan Jonsson was a man who gave Haksa Banovic his debut, aged just 15, when he was at Halmstads in Sweden. And the 62-year-old reckons the winger would thrive at Celtic under Ange Postecoglou if Parkhead Chiefs pull off a cut-price move. Haksa Banovic is currently at Russian side Ruben Kazan, but it is reported Celtic are leading the race to sign the 23-year-old for less than the £5.5 million paid for the player last year. And Jonsson reckons Celtic would be a terrific move for both parties, as he recalled giving Haksabanovic his debut in Sweden. He told the Scottish Sun, he was a diamond in our academy system at Halmstads. There was a lot of publicity when he made his debut at 15, but he was ready. He eventually went to West Ham, then came to Sweden with IFK in Norrköping and did really well again. Ruben Kazan paid a lot of money for him last summer, but everyone knows what happened with Russian football. I feel he now needs to move again, and Celtic would be the perfect club for him. It's a big club with Champions League football this season, and it would really suit his strengths. Jonsson is well aware of Postecoglou's ethos, having come up against the Celtic boss during his stint at Yokohama F. Marinos. Jonsson was a coach at Shimizu S. Pultz and won once and lost once in his matches 
directly against Postikoglu. But regardless of the results, Jonsson learned what makes Postikoglu's sides work, and that's led him to believe Haksabanovic would be a top signing. He added, I am very familiar with Postikoglu's style from our time together in Japanese football. Creative players will enjoy his way of playing, and I know Shade would enjoy it. For me, it would be the ideal place and the ideal coach for the next stage of his development. I last spoke to him a few weeks ago, and I wish him all the best in the future. He is a good player and a great character. He has the talent to go and be a success at Celtic, if it happens. Report by David Irvin Evening Times Sport, August 19 Lee Johnson brands Rangers Champions League slip-up predictions disrespectful. Report by Matthew Lindsay Hibbs manager Lee Johnson has offered his full support to Marianne Cabraya following the death of the Croatian left-back's father. Cabraya, who moved to Easter Road from Dinamo Zagreb in the summer, has been given compassionate leave and is a doubtful starter for the Singe Premiership match against Rangers tomorrow. Johnson stressed he will make a decision on whether the 25-year-old is capable of playing in the match against the Ibrox club when the defender returns to Scotland. He said, bless him, Marianne's father passed away so obviously our well wishes go out to the whole family. We are looking forward to inviting him back into the Hibbs family to give him a little bit of love and care. That's been a difficult moment for us. He hasn't trained this week, but he wants to play. That's massive credit to him, but that decision will be down to me. It's a difficult one. Everybody's different in terms of the grieving time they need. Some cultures are different as well. Potentially, he could be on a flight tomorrow morning and back, but you've got to see what state he's in, both mentally and emotionally, as well as physically, in terms of the times he's missed training. It's a tough one as a manager. No one teaches you those types of things on the pro license. You've got to be human about it and try and read the individual and see how he is. Try and provide that bit of love, care and support that anybody would need in that situation. Johnson attended the first leg of the Champions League playoff between Rangers and PSV Eindhoven in Govan on Tuesday night, but he does not believe the being in the middle of the double header will have a detrimental impact on the visitors at Easter Road. He continued, It's a difficult one. You'd think if there's 30 to 50 million pound riding on the midweek game, that that probably becomes a big focus. But that's disrespectful in a sense to the players they've got in the squad, the depth of the squad. I think any Rangers side is going to be a good side. 
We were disappointed with the Livingston game when we lost at Ammonvale. We did do enough to at least draw that game. A few home truths were told at the end of the game because the standards were not high enough. But we've had a really good training week. The team selection will be really, really positive to go and take the game to Rangers. Report by Matthew Lindsay. Evening Times Sport, August 19. Women's Champions League. Rangers defeat Ferenc Baris in first European outing. Report by James Kearney. Rangers will face hosts ACPAOK this Sunday with the chance to take a significant step towards the group stages of the Champions League after Malky Thompson's side produced a composed performance to defeat Ferenc Baris 3-1. This was the Glaswegians' first foray into Europe in the club's history but you would not have known it from the assured display put in by the Scottish champions. It was a night of firsts for Rangers. First European fixture, first European goal, and most satisfyingly of all, a first victory. The contest at the Katarini Stadium, the first round of a mini-tournament in the Greek city, got underway at a frenetic pace as both sides aimed to seize the initiative. Ferenc Barros enjoyed a fair bit of the ball, but attacks often broke down in the attacking third, where the aggressive Rangers defence were waiting to meet them. An early corner for the Hungarian champions caused some concern, but the Scots were able to eventually clear the ball to safety. Rangers grew into the game and it was not long before they started to exert a little pressure of their own. Central defender Hannah Davison was a composed head on the ball, while her partner at the back, Captain Catherine Hill, went close when she connected with a corner from Finnish winger Jenny Danielson on 11 minutes. Just as pressure was starting to build, Rangers were presented with a golden opportunity Kayla McCoy received the ball in the Ferenc Varis box with her back to the goal from a throw-in, and the forward used her frame well to shield the ball. A drop of the shoulder later, McCoy had cleverly drawn a foul from her opponent. Referee Jorgita Makekunti pointed to the spot. Danielson, making her Champions League debut, kept her cool to calmly slot the ball into the bottom right corner. That gave Thompson's team a welcome boost as they started to knock the ball about with a sense of confidence. Ferenc Barros rarely ventured forward with any real sort of threat, while the chances mounted for Rangers. A well-worked move down the right saw the ball eventually teed up invitingly for Tessel Medag, but the midfielder's curling effort from 25 years was held by the Ferenc Valles goalkeeper. Barely a minute later, a wonderful one-two between Samantha Kerr and McCoy resulted in the former having a decent attempt at goal, but her effort lacked the sufficient power. Less than 60 seconds had elapsed when again, Rangers came within inches of doubling their advantage, 
A low cross across the face of the goal was begging to be touched in, and although McCoy was waiting to pounce, a last-ditch intervention from the last defender resulted in a corner. The Hungarians' best two opportunities of the first half fell the way of Victoria Zabo, and on both occasions she really should have done better. Twice she was found in space making a late run down the left wing and into the box unopposed. On the first occasion she blazed the ball harmlessly over the bar. On the second she drilled the ball into the side netting at the near post. Sazbo's prolegacy would prove costly for Ferenc Varus within minutes of the restart, as Danielson grabbed her second of the evening. Driving forward down the right, she advanced menacingly into the box, cutting inside to create an angle before drilling and rifling the ball into the far bottom corner. Ferenc Varus were handed a lifeline as the game approached the hour mark, but the Hungarians failed to grasp it. An excellent delivery into the box from deep was brought down nicely by player manager Fanny Vago, but the forwards lunged finish from close range saw the ball trundle wide of the near post. They were down but not out. Center forward Kinga Sikla was next to have a go as some space opened up on the edge of the Rangers' box, but there was too much power on the shot as the ball flew narrowly over Victoria Essen's crossbar. It was a warning that was not heeded, and a few minutes later Sickler reduced the def deficit. The powerful striker burst clear of the Rangers' backline before coolly slotting the ball past Essen and into the bottom corner to give her side hope with 24 minutes to go. Substitute Brogan Hay then sealed the win for Rangers with 88 minutes played as she seized upon a loose ball on the edge of the Ferencvaris area, weaving her way past two defenders before slotting the ball home. PAOK, who defeated Swansea 2-0 earlier in the day, await on Sunday. Report by James Kearney Evening Times Sport August 22 Morales slammed as Rangers liability Report by Aidan Smith Richard Foster insists Alfredo Morales has once again become a Rangers liability. The Colombian striker has struggled in his return to fitness following a thigh problem that ruled him out of both the Europa and Scottish Cup finals last term. Morelos was thrown on against Hibs on Saturday, but was red-carded almost instantly for throwing an arm during an aerial duel. The 26-year-old looked a frustrated figure, and Foster believes he has to change his mindset before becoming a Rangers regular again. Foster said on Sports Scene, This weekend was Morelos back to what we saw when he first came over. He's lacking in match fitness, so he's obviously frustrated at not playing on Saturday. But now he's going to miss the next two games because he can't play in them. He can be a huge asset for Rangers 
and he was magnificent before he got injured in the run last season. On the form he was in before, he's a huge loss for Rangers. The way he is just now, they're probably not going to miss him that much because at the moment he's a bit of a liability. Report by Aidan Smith Evening Times Sport, August 22 Rangers launch SFA appeal against Lindstrom Red Cat as Ibrox Club raise woolly column concerns. Report by Aidan Smith Rangers have launched an SFA appeal into John Lundstrom's red card at Hibs on Saturday. The midfielder was ordered off by referee Willie Collum for a challenge on Martin Boyle. Rangers boss Giovanni Van Bronckhorst commented on the incident after the game and said, It was a very physical game. In the first half, we had to avoid some really tough challenges. In the second half, with the red card for John, it was a foul, but he had no intention of hurting the player. The speed of the tackle was not with a lot of force. The ref could have given yellow as well if you compare it with the challenge we conceded in the first half. Alfredo Morelos was also sent off in the second period for a flying arm on Hibbs defender Marianne Cabraja. Van Bronckhorst added, Then we had to react with ten men, but the red car for Morales made it worse, and we had to play with nine. The players fought hard to get the best result possible. We are going to analyse the game and see what's the smartest thing to do, but we will sure look into the red cards. Report by Aidan Smith Evening Times Sport August 22. Community Sports Hub in Glasgow gets cash boost. Report by Stuart Patterson. A new community-owned sports hub has been handed a cash boost to support the venture. The Park Villa Community Sports Hub has received £1,000 from Elder Park Housing Association in Govan and one of its suppliers, CX Feedback. Park Villa Football Development has taken over the management of the former Glasgow club, Dramoyne, in an asset transfer from the council. The facility in Langlands Road has a floodlit pitch, three grass pitches suitable for football and rugby, a four-court sports hall and dance studio fitness studio which are also suitable for sports like boxing. It was built in 2010 as part of the Dromoyne campus, which also includes Piri Park Primary School. Tracy McGilp of Park Villa added, We cannot thank Elder Park Housing and CX Feedback enough. As we embark on this new venture, the money has already been put to good use and the community is the undoubted beneficiary. While Park Villa's long-standing mission is the promotion of football, the hub offers other sports and well-being opportunities, such as a gym, boxing, dance, skating, badminton and yoga. Gary DL 
Chief Executive of Elder Park Housing said, We are delighted to have teamed up with our supplier, CX Feedback, to deliver this donation to the important work of Park Villa and wish them well in their new endeavour with the hub. The timing could not be better as this important venue reopens under the stewardship of Park Villa. Jonathan Briggs, Chief Executive of CX Feedback said, Park Villa's enthusiasm and vision for taking over the running of Glasgow Club at the Ramoyne is to be commended as it builds on its impressive track record of football development. We are passionate about helping support the communities that our customers serve. The transfer was one of many across the city under the Council's People Make Glasgow Communities programme. Report by Stuart Patterson. Evening Times Sport, August 22. Cairn Tierney fights Celtic versus Rangers corner. Report by Aidan Smith. Cairn Tierney insists nothing comes close to the pressure of playing in a Celtic versus Rangers showdown in Scotland. The Scotland international has featured in some big nights for his country and he has also played for Arsenal against Tottenham in the Premier League. But Kearney reckons the tension between Scotland's big two is simply different. He told Toppers Golf, Biggest game pressure-wise would probably be Celtic versus Ranger. That derby is mental, especially when you're from that area. You know how much it means. Games like that I miss. I still get excited watching them though. Professional golfer Scott Bailey poked fun at Tierney for Arsenal's defeat to Tottenham last summer, asking if that was the biggest game he had played in. But the Gunners fullback simply responded, Shut up. Report by Aidan Smith. And that was this week's Glasgow Times Sport podcast, normally recorded in our studio at the Bishop Briggs Media Centre, currently recorded from our volunteers' homes with the publisher's kind permission. Thanks for listening.